Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from him today. So please enjoy. And we want to talk about that this morning. What is reality in perspective to us as believers and how we're to live our life and what we're to embrace. Some time ago in prayer, the Lord has spoke to me about uh, what I say about myself. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've beat myself up. I'm, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'd say, you're ugly. That's when I was broken out with acne all over my face as a young teenager. And maybe some of your teenagers can relate to that. And, but for me, it seemed like in the 20s that acne wasn't leaving me, okay? But I know that there's times I've said things about me that did not line up with what God has said about me. And so the Lord spoke to me and said, don't ever say anything about yourself that I wouldn't say about you. And so that was a conviction. I had to begin to check myself and and realize I'm saying things that I shouldn't really be saying. And so I I would uh, reference the Word of God and see, is what I'm saying aligning with what God has spoken about me in His Word, the promises, and how He expresses His Word towards me to affirm me, to love me, and to deliver me from my sin and its bondage. And then the Lord took that a, a step further. This is where it got a little difficult. And that is, don't say anything about others that I wouldn't say about them. Sometimes we can be very critical and negative towards others. So God checked me on that as well. And so today's message is entitled, The New You. And actually, we started this last week. This is a two-part series. I wish we could extend this more because there's so much here when we talk about the new you. Uh, Last week, we talked about the new creation. And this morning, we're going to focus on our identity in Christ, exchanging our identity for Christ's identity. That's an important element for believers and for the church and for us to understand because there's an identity crisis in the world today. And sadly to say, that identity crisis is in the church, and so it must be addressed. Last week, concerning the new creation, I shared with you 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this reads from, the, from God's Word translation. And if you have your Bibles, you can find your place there with me as we go through this. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. And see, we need to understand this revelation from the Word concerning our lives as believers. Because the old has passed and the new has come, but so many times we're trying to hang on to the old and not letting go of the old. And and when we're not letting go of the old, we can't embrace the new. So many times, and in fact, I think they've done little studies with this, with monkeys in a cage, that um, they would put their hand through the, um, through the bars of the cage and grab an apple. But to pull it into the cage, they couldn't get it in. And so, you know, it's like, well, they, and then they had to let go of that in order to realize that in the back of the cage, there was an apple they hadn't noticed. 
And so it's, it's realizing that sometimes we're holding on to something, but God can't give us what he wants until we let go of what we have, okay? And that just covers so many areas in our life. In today's message concerning the new you, I'm addressing our identification with Jesus and its impact upon our lives. You see, when we discover our identity in Christ uh, and identify with him, with who we are in him, the exchange begins. And it affects the way we act, the way we speak, and how we live our lives. See, to impact the world, uh, we must be real and engage others with a lifestyle that's been impacted by a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. I think Christianity has got a bad rap because so many people have misrepresented Jesus. They have not lived the life of God that he's called us to live. And people are very critical. They hold a high standard to Christians, and they should. Because if we claim to be followers of Christ, if we claim to be Christ-like, then it should be evident in our lives. Do you, do you believe that? Do you think so? True Christianity must be lived out for the world to witness. That's why we need a witness. We need a testimony in this hour of what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do in our lives. I believe that living life with intention and purpose matters. Because hypocrisy plagues the church world because of a failure to live life according to God's intention. We want to embrace God's intention today and how we live our life. So let's take a moment and uh, pray. And we understand that identification is a truth. It's a major theme of the Bible. But let's join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to minister your word. I thank you for the hearts of those that have gathered here, those that have tuned in online. Father, that they're engaged not, not only to receive the word that's spoken and declared, but to bring it into application into their life. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words I speak and cause them to come alive in the hearts of your people. Lord, that long-lasting change and transformation would come and result, Father, from this time together as we've gathered to hear your word. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now, we realize that there are common reasons why people change their identity. Uh, there is what we hear of as the witness protection program. If your life is threatened, the FBI comes in, they change your name, change all this stuff about you. It's for the sake of protection. Uh, there's also another reason people change their name is escaping abusive relationships, escaping debt, or maybe somehow to separate yourself from your past. But yet changing one's identity is a, sub is a subject that's in the forefront of today's culture. Yet changing one's identity is not a new concept, okay? In marriage, the two become one flesh, it says in Genesis, and Jesus quoted that in Matthew. See, there's a, an identity change in marriage. The, the husband, the wife become one. They're no longer viewed necessarily as two separate individuals, although they are, but now they're viewed as a married couple. See, you mess with me, you're messing with Deb, okay? And so, and you mess with me, you're messing with her, okay? See, we're together, we're connected, 
We, we, you know, I mean, we like to do things together. We don't live separate lives, you know, and, and marriage is unique and affecting one's identity, okay? And in fact, a woman changes her name and takes on the identity of her husband's family name. And, and I know um, that was hard for our daughter, Michaela. She wanted to stay a Malik. I said, no, you, you are now a Schultz, you know? Take that name. Celebrate that name. They're, they're, that's they're good genes over there, you know? <laughs> All right. Now, a name change, realize, requires a new form of identification, such as a, in the natural, a driver's license, a social security card, and a passport, and all that stuff. And my wife had to do all that stuff for me because she wanted to be married to me. She was willing to change her name, and that involved changing identity in that form as far as her identification, okay? Now, the new you we're talking about today has to do with a new identity, an identity that is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, for the believer, our identity is determined by who we identify with, and that is Jesus. And see, there's an identity crisis uh, in the world today, and in fact, maybe you are suffering from an identity crisis. If you are questioning who you are, what your purpose is, or what, you, what your values are, what your role is in society, you may be going through an identity crisis. I don't know if you've heard of a guy by the name of Eric Erickson. He lived from 1902 to 1994. He was a psychologist. In fact, he introduced the ideas of adolescent identity crisis, as well as midlife crisis. And I think I had mine already, honey, but we're past that now. <laughs> um, I'll, maybe I'll tell you a story about that sometime. Okay, you don't have to have a midlife life crisis. Just uh, write that down, okay? But uh, in fact, Erickson believed that personalities are developed by resolving identity crises in life. According to Erickson, an identity crisis is a time of intensive analysis and exploration of different ways of looking at oneself. It causes instability, uncertainty, and personal and relational conflict until you get through that, until you find your identity in Christ, okay? Now, there's three important words, and that's, that's the basis and the foundation when we speak of identity today. The reference point is our identity in Christ Jesus as believers, okay? Three important words or phrases we need to know about exchanging identity. Number one, identity theft. That is lost or stolen identity. In fact, you may be a victim of identity theft. How many of you have been victims of identity theft? Um, Deb and I were a number of years ago. Uh, I realized that we, our serious credit card, we stopped getting payments. I mean, not payments. Well, it'd be nice to get payments from. We stopped getting the statements, the monthly statements. And I'm thinking, well, I know we charged some stuff on that card. We didn't get a statement. And so I tried to log in, realized that the address had been changed. And then uh, when I finally called the company, they said, you changed your address. And there were all these charges 
And they said, have you been to England recently? I said, no, we haven't been to England. Well, there's charges of over $1,500. And then other parts of the world, all these charges started adding up on our credit card. And so uh, the person at Sears said, well, we believe your identity has been stolen. Now, thankfully, they provided a service to rectify that. And from this day forward, anytime we apply for credit, anytime we apply for like a credit card and all that stuff, you know, every time you go into the store, they're going to say, would you like to sign up for a credit card? And I said, no, God, it did that, been there, you know, kind of thing. But uh, they, so this company now, anytime I apply, it flags my name and I get a call from this company. It's, it helps protect my and our identity so that we don't get taken advantage of. And uh, fortunately, we didn't have to pay for all those charges. Thank God. And that's, um, but there's more I could say about that story, but we, we got to go on. You got to hear more of the word here. So now the question is, do you have proof of identification? And it's understanding that spiritually, the proof of your identity is found in the word of God. The Bible is proof of your identification in Christ, if you have believed. An identity thief is actually an imposter who attempts to own your stuff. And we see in John 10.10, the scripture there reads in the New King James Version, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We actually see two mission statements in this passage. That of the enemy, the thief, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that of Jesus, who comes to give us life and to give it more abundantly. We need to understand that Satan is an identity thief. He's trying to steal your identity and give you an identity that does not align with God's. Okay, He is guilty of identity theft, and it all started in the garden when the serpent or Lucifer or Satan, the devil, tempted Eve and basically stole Adam and Eve's identity in the form, okay? Understanding our identity in Christ will have a radical impact on how we live. You can mark that down if you're taking notes. In fact, without this revelation, an identity crisis will plague the believer by frustrating the purpose of God in their life, leaving them confused, misguided, and even disappointed. Many believers struggle with their own identity versus the new, the old identity versus the new, because, see, we come out of this thing called the old life, the old style of living, and we come into this new life in Christ when we give our hearts and our life to Jesus. And so we, we struggle, we wrestle because of the old versus the new. But we're coming into something new, something different, something that looks like Jesus and takes on his image in nature, okay? So one of the things we need to understand, what about this new self? Because sometimes Christians can be thinking they're humble. They'll say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Now the reality is, yes, you were an old sinner, but you got saved. And so you're not an old sinner saved by grace because that implies you're just continuing to sin. But now you can live this life in Christ Jesus, living righteously before him and putting away sin. 
In fact, um, uh, how is a new creature supposed to act in light of the truth of the word? The reason we act a certain way is because we see ourselves a certain way. If you see yourself defeated, you will act defeated. If you see yourself as a problem, you're going to be a problem, okay? Uh, it's, we, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, the Scripture says in Proverbs, so is he. We can very seldom rise above the level of how we think. Our thoughts determine our destiny very often. And when our thoughts are aligned with the Word of God, we can fulfill what he has determined for our lives. I love this verse in Philippians 2.13 because, see, a lot of times we think, well, I can't do this. I don't have the strength to live this life in Christ. Well, Philippians 2.13 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectively at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. I tell you, this is a verse you need to memorize. This is a verse you need to encourage yourself with. This is the verse that actually I came up with an idea one time because it's saying God is at work in us. And if you've ever driven up to a construction site, you see the sign that says men at work. I thought it would be great to put a sign over around our neck, uh, a lanyard or something like that, that simply says God at work. Right? Because God's at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But that requires surrender for you to let God do his job. Because if these men are working on the roadside and they're trying to get their work done, you can't go in there and, and uh, say, hey, you want some donuts? Kind of, you know, hey, you're doing it wrong. Or you're trying to mess with them. No, you have to let them do their job, okay? And so, yeah, I thought of another story. I once had an invitation to speak to the uh, Wisconsin Department of Transportation. And so uh, leaders were there from all over the state. I was to give this invocation. And um, DOT, you know, that's Department of Transportation. I was addressing probably about 1,200 employees statewide of that work for the DOT. And so I said, well, to your supervisors and to the public, DOT means done on time. Okay. And I came up with acronyms for all, all the different workers. But anyway, I'll share that another time. <laughs> all right. My old identity was inferior. I used to see myself as a failure. In fact, a lot of times I never even attempted to do something because I thought I can't succeed anyway. So why should I even start? Why should I even try? So I didn't take on challenges, especially as a young man. I was shy. I was introverted. I actually was convinced and believed that I was a social misfit. And so because of that, I isolated myself. My, I was addicted to insecurity. That was my addiction in life. Um, but guess what? I've exchanged that. When I met Jesus, 
when I came into relationship with him, I began to exchange my identity from who I was to who I am today in him. See, the Bible is, as I said, proof of our identification. As I stated last week, that identity is not our choice, it's our discovery when we seek the truth of God's word. It's clearly revealed without question and debate and becomes a settled issue for the believer. The truth can only be found in one place concerning these matters, and that's the Bible, okay? Uh, he identified you as his own. Ephesians 1.13 reads in the New Living Translation, now, and now you Gentiles, that means the non-Jews, the non-believers who came into faith in Christ through the gospel preaching, says, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, notice this, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. See, receiving the Holy Spirit um, is God's mark upon our lives when we believe, where he identified us with himself. The second word we want to talk about is the word position. The word position. Our position brings about identity change. In the great exchange, Jesus took our sin and gave us right standing. As a believer, we are now positioned in Christ, spiritually, okay? We have a new position. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, in the English Standard Version, it reads, And because of him, because of Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. Or because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, okay? The two are one, okay? Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, Okay, so Jesus became to us all these things which begins to shape and form who we are in Christ, our new identity. In fact, uh, these are kind of big words, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. I love the New Living Translation. I'll, I'll share it in, in that particular translation. 1 Corinthians 1.30 reads, God has united you with Christ, Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Jesus is our wisdom. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. All of that is qualified because we're in Christ. All of that is accomplished for us positionally because we're in Christ. See, there's, uh, we need to understand the concept of position and condition, okay? Our position is eternally established in Christ once we believe our position, our position in Christ never changes. However, our condition does. As we begin to walk with Jesus, our condition begins to reflect more and more of what our eternal position is. See, we grow up in Christ Jesus, and we begin to reflect more of his nature. We begin to live out more of his life as we grow in him. So positionally, we are in Christ but conditionally, we're being conformed more and more to his image. And we're going to get to Romans 8, 29 in a little bit here in our third point. But we need to discover our true identity. Because identification gives us a place of origin. In fact, a starting place to begin to understand the purpose to which God has called us to. In fact, um, when you know your proper identity, you will discover your position. 
You discover your purpose and the vision that God has for your life. When you know your vision and purpose, it affects your decisions, okay? It really does. There are certain things that I will not do because it does not reflect God's vision, his call, his purpose upon my life. See, I'm not going to think about doing something crazy. I'm not going to go make a drug deal and get high. That does not align or fit with the calling of my life. It's it's not part of the vision of my life. So it's a place that I I can't go anymore. Not that I ever did, okay? But, you know, uh, people say, oh, Matt, you were always just a good kid. You know, well, good kids still need Jesus, okay? Good kids are still sinners that need a Savior, okay? Um, They just didn't know what was going in my mind, you know, because I never talked, you know? And now my wife can't get me to shut up. So, <laughs> so Romans 6.5, and, and this is from the Darby translation, and, and I like how this is worded and termed, but this is speaking of our new life in Christ. It's, it's aligning baptism with the process of our encounter with God through the death, the burial, the resurrection. But in verse 5 in Romans 6, Darby's translation reads this way, For if we are become identified with him, that's kind of interesting wording, but if we are, which means present, become identified with him in the likeness of his death, so also we shall be of his resurrection. In other words, we move from death to life, And we identify with Jesus who is presently resurrected. And that power, that life is all made available to us now. Okay? That's pretty powerful. But a lot of times Christians don't tap into that. So this process of identification is what brings about transformation in your life. Including the ability to overcome sin. And uh, I'm going to share this too. I'm going to be a little theological with you. There are two important parts of the Lord's redemptive work for us. The first is known as substitution. Substitution simply is God took our place so we could take his. He became the substitute to bear the penalty of our sin and the death on the cross and, and bear that weight so that we could be free. And so It's where Jesus died for us. His work of substitution now justifies us before God because he died in our place for our sins. Now, the second part of Jesus' work for us is our identification with him in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. So we understand and we see in this particular passage the word that Not only did Jesus die for us, that's substitution, but we as believers died with Christ, and that's identification. We identify with Jesus in his death. That's what the Apostle Paul did when he said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. He identified with Jesus. So the Christian life is Christ living his life in and through the believer. We need to understand that. The life of Christ is reproduced in the child of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, the, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. Most of us know this as Christ in us, the hope of glory. What a revelation that Christ lives in us. 
He's in us, okay? We need to understand that. In verse 26, it says, There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now is being revealed, unfolded, and manifest for every holy believer to experience. Verse 27, Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. Wow. In other words, God wants people to know that Christ lives in you by what's demonstrated, by what's exhibited in your life. See, I tell you what, um, we really need to get a hold of this revelation that Christ is in you. Jesus is in you. He lives in you if you've accepted him, if you've embraced him. He's come to dwell in you through the person of his Holy Spirit. Notice 1 Corinthians 6.17. It says, He who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. We become one with Christ. We become one spirit with him. There's a joining, like a marriage. We become one. And there's benefits of the believer's position in Christ. Our old position has been exchanged for a new one. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible is clear about our new righteousness and our position with him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the New American Standard Bible reads, He made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he became sin so we could become righteous. And righteousness is a gift. It's not something you work for. It's not something you earn. It's not something you deserve. It's a gift when we accept the work of Jesus that he did for us because he became sin. He literally became sin. He took our sin. He took on our sin nature. That's substitution. I, I could spend more time on this, but we need to keep going here. The third point I have is Christ-likeness. And this is a calling, I believe, on every, every believer's life, the call to Christ-likeness, being conformed to his image. We see this in Romans 8, 29, and 30. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This was his plan from long ago, his plan from the beginning, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's speaking of Jesus. Verse 30, moreover whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, we don't have time to break this down. But we see in this passage, in these verses, that we have been called to be conformed to the image of Jesus to be transformed by his image. The Bible says that this calling to Christ-likeness is a predetermined pattern for every believer. See, God's goal for believers is the conformity 
of our character to the likeness of Jesus Christ. In fact, everything that God does in our lives happens to focus on that one supreme purpose, the call to Christ-likeness. See, we are to consider the general or primary call of God upon our life in this teaching. When you answer the primary call, the rest will fall into place. You might say, well, maybe I'm called to be an evangelist. Maybe I'm called to do this or that. Well, that all comes secondary in light of this call to Christlikeness. This is a call we all share in common together, the call to be conformed to his image, to be like him. And uh, a quote by C.S. Lewis, he says, putting on Christ is not one among many jobs a Christian has to do. And it is not a sort of special exercise for the top class. It is the whole of Christianity. So it should be the aim of every believer to possess and demonstrate Christ-like qualities and develop them in their character. And as Christ followers, we should want to exhibit more and more of the attributes of Jesus because he's the one we're living for, because we possess his divine nature. The call to Christ-likeness is a predetermined pattern for every believer. And I want to share a couple more verses, and we're going to bring this to a close. But First John 4, 16 and 17. And this word actually is something that affirms everything I've just told you. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. How many of you have come to know that? Maybe you haven't, but you can if you haven't. Let's start over again with this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. So we see this union with Christ. We see this union, this connection with God. Verse 17, by this is love perfected within us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. In other words, when we stand in judgment, we have confidence because we're in God, he's in us. We're okay, okay? It's a safe place to be. And notice it goes on to say, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Notice, as he is, as he is now, so are we in this world. We are the arms, the hands, the feet of Jesus in this earth. As he is, so are we in this earth. We are his earthly representation. We are his ambassador. We are here to honor him, to live for him, and to show the world who he is, okay, and what he's like. Now, the Passion Translation in verse 16 reads a little differently. I want you to see that as well. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Christ-likeness is the goal for every believer in their Christian walk. We must put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, our life 
and Christ should parallel the manner in which he walked. And we're going to close with this verse, and the worship team can come up at this time. 1 John 2.16 Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, you might say, Pastor, that's an impossible task because I'm not Jesus. Um, yeah, but Jesus, if you've committed your life to him, he lives in you. And he's longing to live through you. But you have to come to a place of greater surrender to yield to him, to allow the Holy Spirit to work his work in your heart. Now, I want to give an invitation today. I know there's people out here that uh, may never have really heard uh, this type of message. Uh, maybe you've never been given an invitation to believe and receive Jesus and the work he's done for you. Maybe you've tuned in online and you're listening to this message and right now you sense something happening. Well, our invitation to everyone under the sound of my voice is to put your faith in Jesus, to trust him and begin to experience the reality of what he has done for you and for all of humanity. Have you identified with Jesus You know, for us as believers, we need to remind ourselves, I no longer live the life I used to live because I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a new creation. Because Christ himself has become our new identity. Will you identify with him today and exchange your old identity for his? That's what we call the great exchange. Changing your identity for his. Proper identification is something that you need to have. Do you have it? Identification is proof that you are who you say you are, okay? Or who you claim to be. If you're going to do any air travel, you quickly discover that if you want to fly, you need proper identification or you're not going anywhere. I believe the same is in this life when we think of where our life is going. Because all of us will come to a place where we will breathe out our last and we're going somewhere. When we have proper identification in Christ, we can travel to the place that he's prepared for us. To get anywhere with God, you need proper identification. Some of you are carrying improper identification. But when we accept Jesus, you receive a new identity, a new identification. The word reveals a new identity. If you would, just take a moment and bow your heads. And I'm going to extend an invitation if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. Now, you might assume that it is, but deep in your heart, you know that it's not. And I especially want to extend an invitation to you who want to be right with God. That you want to make your peace with God. 
Maybe the burden of guilt and sin is overwhelming in your life. And even though you've tried to compensate with good works, you realize that your good doesn't outweigh the bad. And you're left hopelessly lost. But yet Jesus extends a gift to you called forgiveness, salvation, healing, deliverance. Will you accept what Jesus has for you? Acceptance of what he has for you simply is a response to open your heart and invite him in. If you're here today and you say, I'm ready to open my heart and invite him in, lift your hand so I can see it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to stand together. There's a number of people that lifted their hands. And if you that are listening online, viewing this online, if you're responding uh, to that invitation, I'm going to lead in what I call a believer's prayer. And I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer after me. And don't just repeat the words. Embrace the words from your own heart. And let them be made real to you as, as you commit your life to Jesus today. Maybe you've been with God for a time in your life. You've drifted away, but now you're coming back. You pray this prayer as well. And God's going to meet you. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you and I acknowledge Jesus Christ who is the Savior of the world whom you sent to die on the cross for me. I believe in my heart that he is Lord and that he rose from the dead to give me life Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Make my life what you want it to be. Amen. Now, talk to the Lord in your own words. Call on his name. The scripture says, whoever whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God's going to meet you right now in this place. And realize in the moment of receiving Jesus, a miracle takes place. Our spirit is reborn in new life in Christ. The old is exchanged for the new. Our old position has been exchanged for a new one because we become a new creation in Christ. Spiritual birth takes place where we, where we are identified with Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for the rest of you here in this journey with God so that we can truly identify with Jesus for all that he is and all that he does so that he can do a greater work in us how many of you are for that? God, do a greater work in my life, a greater work in our God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this body of believers. And our prayer is simple. Do a greater work in our life.
so that we can truly identify with you. Father, understanding the position that you've placed us in as your son and daughter, in Jesus' name. And Father, we place our trust in you. I thank you for the breaking of every stronghold of darkness, every lie of the enemy. Thank you that you're setting every captive free, that you're delivering us so that we can walk in the reality of what you've done for us, the reality of redemption, free from sin, free from shame, free from poverty, free from pain. In Jesus' name, you are our deliverer, our savior and healer. In Jesus' name, amen. The prayer team's going to be up here in a little bit, but we want to uh, spend a little time worshiping God. I, I just want to thank you for being so attentive to the Word. I believe God is meeting you right now in a very significant way. Some of you are experiencing a stirring of God within your heart. Continue to let God do what He wants to do. Don't resist it. Don't fight it. Just give it all over to Him. He's building our life. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.